You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Thursday, the 2nd of June. It's the eve of the Kazoo Derby Festival, which all gets underway tomorrow. And I'm coming to you from Epsom Downs, where I'll be conducting the draw a little bit later this morning with Kieran Fallon, a multiple derby hero himself. Looking forward to that, but not as much as I'm looking forward to the excellent racing. The weather forecast has slightly shifted in our favour as well. I think it's going to be dry today. Well, it's a beautiful morning here dry again tomorrow friday though a little cloudier and there might be a little rain on saturday there might be a few quite heavy showers but it's only a mite and the bulk of the really nasty stuff looks as though it's coming through on sunday so at this stage famous last words and without wishing to sound like michael fish in 1987 saying there wouldn't be a storm things not looking too bad 17 it seems will go forward for the the Derby at the final declaration stage. News yesterday that Eden would not run in the race. Roger Varian went for it, and then the horse got an injury, so he couldn't run. We're not expecting any further defections. A little later in the programme, I'll be talking to Peter Brandt, the man in whose colours Stone Age, the shortest price Bally Doyle runner, will, will start. I'll also be speaking to Owen Burrows, the man who trains Hookham ahead of the Coronation Cup tomorrow. And you'll be hearing from Holly Doyle, who's looking for her first classic on Nashua for John Gosden and her retaining owner, uh, Imad Al-Sagar. But first of all, Jane Mangan, perhaps with all the talk about Desert Crown and how much he's dominated our thoughts in the last couple of weeks, we haven't given enough credence to, again, another strong Irish challenge. How strong do you think it is? And of that group of horses, who do you think is likeliest to, to fare best? The Irish contingent, obviously very strong from Ballydoyle, as it is typically every year. Some people suggest when Aidan runs more than three or four horses that he doesn't have a star. Well, the talk seems to be very strong about Stone Age, and he's going to be leading uh, a strong, not only quantity, but quality as well from Ballydoyle. But I've been a fan of Pisbedeal for a while. People would say, oh, he won his maiden in Clarny. So did Wings of Eagles before he went on. Uh, to win at Epsom. He was beaten in Leopardstown last year. I was there when he beat Buckaroo um, in the Ballysacks. And yes, he had the run of the race. And Gavin Ryan gave him a brilliant ride. But with the booking of Frankie de Tory, he's actually inbred to Lightshift and his own sire, Ulysses, which for a Nearchus family uh, angle is huge for their breeding operation as well. I think he has uh, a huge chance. And just a feel-good story, Andrew Oliver, he's training Glory Days, who actually was second to Stone Age in that trial at Leopardstown. He's 100 to 1, but he'd have appreciated the rain that fell during the week. And as a massive outsider for the Derby, I think he'll be a wonderful story if he ran well. But I was I was relieved when Desert Crown did what he did in the Dante. I felt the Derby this year needed an extra layer uh, to the story. And Sir Michael Stout and Richard Kingsfold provide that layer. Um, Nation's Pride supplementation, obviously, for Godolphin is a massive boost as well. So I think this year's race is a thorough, deep renewal of the Derby and something that we want every year. We don't want a small field. We want depth and we want a fair race. 
I mean, the big disappointment yesterday was that no sooner had Roger Varian, Newmarket trainer, said that Eden, the 2000 Guineas fourth, was going to run in preference to the French derby than he had a small injury and out he came again, which was, a, uh, I thought, really disappointing. Because I thought of all the bigger price sources, he was really interesting coming actually come out of a, out of a classic. Uh, there's no point crying over spilled milk. We'll just hope he's okay for the rest of the season. For sure. And I agree. I thought he was overpriced. And I wanted to see how the... Guinea's form stood up in the context of the Derby and the fact that he was by olden times, Prince AA5's only uh, produce of that stallion that he stood himself um, in that season that again added another uh, layer of interest. But he's out, hopefully we'll have him back. There are uh, Masakila, Sonny Liston, there's Royal Patronage. This, these are good horses and they're not even getting a mention. Westover, I see uh, the Racing Post writing about him today and that's a valid point. He won one of the very early trials. Are we forgetting about him? Um, walk of stars changing of the guard I, I mentioned him before um, in the aftermath of Chester that I was impressed with him but it just seems to be all the Valley Doyle talk is about Stone Age so we automatically forget the rest when in actual interest if you look down through his derby winners of yesteryear a lot of them are the outsiders yeah I mean there aren't any hard and fast rules about Aidan O'Brien sometimes he's run one and they've won and sometimes he's run a whole stack and the outsiders won whatever I, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules just go with the horse that you think's the best and the best qualified to, to win the race. Uh, Stone Age is likely to start the shortest price of his group unless something very strange happens between now and Saturday. We'll discuss that in a minute. Stone Age is owned by Peter Brandt. Now, Brandt is in his second incarnation as an owner. He was big in the 60s, 70s, 80s. He's bred and owned Kentucky Derby winners. He had Triptych, who won the Coronation Cup back in the 1980s. Brilliant mare, uh, trained initially in Europe. And he also had Sotsas, the winner of the art, when he came back to owning racehorses after a 20-year gap a couple of years ago. So now he has his first runner in the derby. And I asked the American billionaire industrialist how exciting this was compared to his other exploits in horse racing. Well, um, I, I really uh, am just so excited to have a horse in a race like this. And, of course, breeding the horse makes it very uh, special. You know, this uh, mare came out of the Wildenstein uh, dispersal and... Uh, which has worked very well for us, uh, the horses that we purchased there. And um, it makes it, you know, it makes it ec extra special uh, to have bred the horse. But, of course, all those races are great races, and they were great horses. And, uh, it's it's uh, nothing to be taken away from them. I mean, they're, they're, to be in a race like that and win a race like that is something that's uh, very hard to match. Just just dial it back for me a, a little bit, if you will, to five or six years ago when you wanted to come back into horse racing after a long spell out of the game and sort of how you were looking at the sport across the globe and how you thought, right, how am I going to play this? How am I going to get in again in, in England, Ireland, America, France? What, what was your thinking? What was your strategy? Well, I just felt like, you know, I've always, uh, I've always uh, you know, liked having really good mares. I mean, I've always thought that's sort of the foundation of your bloodline. It doesn't have to work, but, you know, with enough of them, it uh, you, you should have some success on a long-term basis. And I, um, you know, I went that route. And the reason for Europe was, you know, I was around all that period when, you know, so many of the European owners, uh, Sheikh Mohammed, Judmont, I mean, really going out and buying some of the very, very best American yearlings. And a lot of those great horses, you know, turned out to be the, what are now the great sires or the last generation sires in, in Europe. So I do believe that 
the Europeans uh, kind of were in a position like the Americans were in in the 60s and 70s, and that is that their blood for, uh, you know, for uh, breeding was uh, top of the line. And so you've taken quite a bit of that blood back to the United States, and it's worked really well, particularly with horses trained by by Chad Brown. And and now you've got horses that are that are based and bred in in Ireland as well. How do you split your your broodmare band roughly? Fifty uh, fifty, half in half at, um, in England and Ireland, and uh, half in the United States. Of course, in your in your first incarnation as an owner, when you you had some wonderful horses both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Aidan O'Brien. Well, he he was just about born, but but not for long. He certainly <laughs> he, he, he certainly wasn't anything like the towering figure he is now. Uh, tell me a yeah, bit about. I don't, and I don't I, I don't know how many more will be born like him. <laughs> so he's a very special guy. So so in your in your experience of him, what's made him special? And you've had horses with just about every good trainer. Yes, I think. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, he's a winner. He likes to win. He does everything he can. Uh, it's meticulous about his training, uh, you know, all the way along. And he uh, is not afraid to, he's not afraid to try, to, you know, to try with a horse and, you know, experiment with what they might like. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really give up on these horses. And he, he's, uh, he, he'll try a lot of things before he, you know, before he's uh, goes on to another horse. I mean, he he's uh, very special, and I think that uh, if you've ever visited his training facilities, it's just incredible. I mean, his recall, his memory, he, he just is, uh, he's, uh, you know, a, a chef. He really knows what he's doing. Well, yeah, what's your level of expectation of this horse? What, what, have, you been, what have you been told? You know, I... I don't really like engage too much with what, you know, what I'm told because I've, I've been into so many races and, you know, so many first, so many favorites and so many second favorites. I mean, you really never know, you know, you're really asking these horses to do something that they've really never done before. And I think that's why a lot of favorites, you know, sometimes don't come across in the, in the derby. I just expect, you know, I hope that the horse runs well, and I hope he makes a good account of himself, and I'm there to support him, and uh, uh, I can't really expect more than that. And you're you're coming to Epsom to watch. Have you? I know you haven't had a runner in the derby before. Have you been racing at Epsom before? Uh, I did run at Epsom. I, I ran in a race there with uh, a mare that won the cor- uh, won the coronation. It was a fill- it was a mare called Triptych. I, I think I think um, even most of my listeners I think will remember Triptych, or if they don't remember her, they'll certainly they'll certainly remember the name. I mean, she she'd have been one of your your very best in Europe in the in the first go round, wouldn't she? Yes, I would say so. And tell me, Peter, how 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 Sotsas getting on at, at start? He's um, couldn't we couldn't be happier. You know, we'll we'll see once they get old enough to run. But they're beautiful looking horses, and they've got a lot of you know substance and. They're, uh, you know, we're very excited with uh, Sotsis and we've bred some of our very good mares to him. You've had a fantastic season already in the in the U.S. with you know, grade one winners and a whole host of fillies uh, doing really well. Every time I seem to go racing, either at Gulfstream, Churchill, wherever, uh, you're, you're having winners. Uh, are you are you enjoying it more this time round? 
I, I really am because um, I'm really, you know, a little bit more focused on it now uh, because of my age and I, you know, the experience that I had of 20 years of breeding horses and being involved um, in the, um, you know, in the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s. I, um, I, I really, that experience has really helped me a lot in terms of making you know, the decisions going forward with our, with our program. I really enjoy it. I, you know, I, I really love doing it. And, you know, if you ever have a chance to really concentrate and work hard on something that you love, it, it, it usually, you know, it usually works out. Looking forward very much to seeing you Saturday. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Nick. Nice to talk to you. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks. So Peter Brandt, very hopeful of a big run from Stone Age. And why wouldn't he be after that emphatic performance in the in the Derby trial? Uh, this podcast is going to go out before I know definitively that Ryan Moore is going to ride him, Jane. Would it be a surprise to you if he changed tack and rode Changing of the Guard or Star of India? For sure. Just Aidan O'Brien suggesting it would be very hard for Ryan to ride anything else. And he said that a fortnight ago. So look. What was interesting about this horse is he went five runs as a juvenile without actually breaking his maiden, albeit he was beaten less than two lengths by El Bodegon in a group one at the back end. But that was, Aidan O'Brien didn't worry about winning his maiden. He stepped him up in grade despite not actually having won that maiden. I was in Galway last year when he went off, at, I think, two to seven. He was really a warm order favourite and he finished second. Couldn't believe he got beaten. But his... his uh, Conqueror has turned out to be Buckaroo, who's quite smart. So that maiden is working out really well. And his two starts this year have been decisive. Now, when we get the draw, and you'll be talking about this tomorrow, tactics for the Derby will be fascinating this year because in the trials, Aidan O'Brien's horses were ridden positive. They were ridden forward, but they can't just do that in the Derby. It's not going to be that straightforward. Can Stone Age make all in the Derby? You know, all these questions will arise. You can see Desert Crown following them along. You can see Pisbadil doing something similar. There's one thing for sure at this year's Epsom Derby. Stamina is going to be the main ingredient to the winner. Two things. I mean, the pedants are going to go mad. You've called it the Epsom Derby. But I mean, I'll, I'll forgive you because I'm, I'm not quite so pedantic. Uh, and second, I'm not sure. Did I, did I ever get an answer as to who the leading Irish contender was for the, for the Derby? Did, we, did you nail your colours to Pisbadil's mast? I, I can, yeah. I, I, I have no problem doing that. I think there's so much more to come from that horse. And when if anybody is lucky enough to be in, in, in Epsom on Saturday, try and get a glimpse at all these horses because you'll, you'll struggle to find a better looking individual than, than Pisbadil in the flesh. Well, before the big day, of course, we've got the small matter of the Kazoo Oaks and the Coronation Cup sponsored by Dalbury. Tomorrow, the Oaks looks at Gosden O'Brien shootout again. The two big battalions either side of the Irish Sea having dominated this race in recent years. Gosden has the favourite Emily Upjohn, ridden by Frankie de Tory. Also the second favourite, Nashua, the mount of Holly Doyle. Earlier in the week, Doyle spoke with GBR's Cornelius Lysett about how she felt that owner Imad al Sagar had opted to run here rather than the Prix de Diane at Chanty. Yeah, it was um, you know, great news to receive and um, obviously we're, we're all fairly look, looking forward to it. Um, Imad spent a couple of days deliberating after Newbury and um, took a while to make the decision, but um, ultimately he wanted to go to Epsom, so that's where we're going. I've ridden on all three starts and um, after the win at Newbury, I got off her and, you know, Obviously, very very pleased with the performance. We dropped her out just to see how she relaxed because at, at, at Haydock in the novice, I kind of 
give her a kind of no excuses ride I went and sat box seat took a lead and she was a little bit gassy because I kind of made a bit of use of her at the stools and um but once she got covered that day she relaxed very well but obviously different get the fish stepping up into pattern company at Newbury the next day so I just wanted to ride her quietly just to see how she'd relax and go through the um gears and she relaxed beautifully and um you know very responsive when I asked asked of her and um I was pleased but I I just I got off her and I said to him I'd you know she she does retain a bit of speed from the Frankel side of things and she has the gears and um, for me there was no divin- definitive answer off the back of that performance whether she'd stay a mile and a half or not. She's clearly very able she's got a lovely pedigree what what's she like as a what's she like as a character? Oh she's just um you know a dream ride really she's got a, a lovely mind a great attitude um you know I still think she's you know not the finished article I think there's more to come from her physically she's you know I sat on her yesterday and she's grown a little bit more and every time you you get on her there's a a bit more that's um progressed you know so that's great at this stage but she's everything you want in a a racehorse at the moment (laughs) and you know there'll be lots of interest in Nashville she's a leading contender for the Oaks but clearly a lot of interest in you as well you taking part in the Oaks so this this is big isn't it yeah, no, it's obviously a great opportunity to get. I, I rode in the Oaks last year for um, Archie Watson and Apple Tree Stud. So, um, you know, I've, I've had, a, had a spin around there a few times before, but um, it's, it's a great opportunity to get a ride with such a live chance, really, especially for Imadal Cigar and John Gosden. Obviously, it would be incredible, really. I mean, look at the reaction there was when Rachel won, won the Grand National. I mean, it's one of the toughest horse races in the world to win. Um, you know, and she did that. So if I could win a British classic, it would be, um, you know, a dream country for me personally. But I suppose it could, you know, hopefully inspire other other women to get into the sport. Uh, Holly Doyle speaking earlier this week to our friends at Great British Racing. Jane Mangan, uh, Nashua, is the is the danger to Emily Upjohn within rather than without, do you think, in the Oaks? I don't underestimate the Aidan O'Brien. Um, we'll see quartet, albeit the Algar, the Algar has to improve a ton. I was just looking at the race record yesterday and Aidan O'Brien and John Gosden between them have won nine of the last ten Oaks renewals. And I think, being honest, would it be a big surprise if they didn't add to that record um, tomorrow afternoon. Nashua is a very exciting filly. She showed, for me, a lot of pace um, on her last run. She's out of Princess Lulu, who was second in the Prix-Jean Romney over 10. She's by Frankel, so she's crossed the very same as Cracksman, who finished third behind Wings of Eagles and Cliffs of Moher in the derby. Um, but yeah, I think Emily Upjohn, for me, is still no idea how good she is Philly. The preliminaries are obviously going to be huge for her because she's shown a little bit of uh, temperament in the past and all of Aidan O'Brien's quartet are out of Group 1 winners. This is the, the quality of the breeding from those, those four fillies. Tuesday did nothing to dispel her chances, I thought, in the Guineas at, at the Curra. Thoughts of June stayed very well at, at uh, Chester, but Concert Hall seems to be the one that a lot of people are siding with. Shami Heffernan rode her dam was to win the race in 2012. She stayed on really well when she won at Navan, and she did so when she was third, just behind Tuesday in the Guineas. The step up and trip is likely to really, really suit her. We're looking forward to the Coronation Cup tomorrow and Hookham, third favourite at the moment for Owen Burrows and Jim Crowley. And he makes his first appearance since running an excellent race in Dubai. Uh, Owen, um, how's he done since coming back? Yeah, I've been I've been very pleased with him since he returned, Nick. Um, 
obviously he had a quiet few weeks there but um, yeah he's, he's trained well and uh, looks great um, so I'm looking forward to running him and how long has this been in your mind this race how long have you been planning this as his first run back in the country yeah so you know it, it was always one of those you know there's, there's this race and then obviously the Hardwick um, you know he's, he's won a group two and you know he's won numerous group threes now and I'd love to tick the group one for him and myself obviously um and once we'd entered him and then you know you got to the sort of confirmation stage and there was only sort of 15 left in and um obviously ADR come out and you know they're all sort of within three or four pound without ADR so um you know, I I would have been reluctant to run him on very fast ground round Epsom, but that isn't the case. And obviously, Andrew does a great job at Epsom anyway, so it's never lightning fast round there. And you know, couldn't believe it then when sort of there was literally you know, five left and then one supplemented, wasn't there? You know, um, and not surprisingly, we all declared this morning. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's still got a three or four pound to find with pile driver and you know obviously Aiden's horse was a big run last time but I you know I don't think it's it's not out of the realms of possibility that he, he could improve you know yeah I mean when we watched him win the Jeffrey Free as a three-year-old he looked an, an absolute superstar in the making and he ran a lot of very very sound races last year and won a lot of races without necessarily suggesting he'd really gone through that gone through that barrier to, to group one level I mean do, do you do you see anything in him now that, that sort of increases your confidence that that could be the case well I think you know he proved in Dubai in the Shima Classic you know we were only beaten a length and three quarters from a pretty wide draw and it was a little bit tactical. They didn't go quite as quick as I'd have hoped, hence why they're all in a heap crossing the line. Um, so, you know, he doesn't... We were three-quarters of a length behind pile driver, so we've not got a huge amount to try and, you know, make up. Um, you know, it may well be that, you know, you won't see him too much in this country after Epsom, you know. There's... Uh, it's possibly the Grand Prix de Saint Cloud at the beginning of July. I've got him in the Irish St. Ledger. He's in a German Group One there, August. There's a Canadian International. So, you know, he's that type of horse that will be on his travels. Um, but I thought this is as good a chance he'll have of winning a Group One in this country anyway. Owen Burroughs there, the trainer of, of Hookham. And I, I, for one, Jane, think he's got a pretty good chance. Now, um, you're, not, you're not enthused by this year's Coronation Cup. No, I, I'm a small disappointed it hasn't attracted um, a superstar because it has in the past. Look at the role of honour. Gayas, postponed beating found. St. Nicholas Abbey winning it three times. Going way back to Swain, Singspiel, Delami, Royal Anthem. And I just feel like this year's renewal isn't going to be adding to that list. Pile Driver is a great horse and it's a great story when he won it last year. But I just feel that it lacks uh, a headline act and... Just I thought I I just wonder where are all the really good horses looking down through the roll of honor, Flincher, well, Daddy well, Poor, Delami, where 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 are our French compatriots? Is there is there nothing for this race? Well Flincher got beaten by Peather's Moon in this race, lest you forget. Um I mean what's wrong with Pile Driver? He's legal as well, which was a fantastic renewal of the race. But Pile Driver's a bang up group one horse. He's the defending champion. He was very unlucky not to win in Dubai and given that Shariar the horse who won that race is now vying for favouritism with Bay Bridge for the Prince of Wales is I 
yeah, no, he's a good horse. I'm not taking away from him, but is it a, is it his race to lose? Is it a formality for him? I don't think it is a formality. No, and that's why I think it's a it, it's a decent race. And Minobo's completely unexposed again. Well, he, he was rather unlucky in Dubai. He was a a victim of a, a nonsense race over two miles where they went no pace. I think a stronger run mile and a half is going to suit him well. Only tasted defeat once in his career. Um, you know, you hook him. You always feel that you he, you've been scratching the surface with him, and he's ready to produce a big performance. I realise high definition is not everybody's idea of a poster boy for a Group One horse. But he might be. I don't like to tell you, Jane. He might be Aidan O'Brien's best older horse. Uh, well, he's happened to win a couple of Group 1s before he's better than Mother Earth for me. He was very good well, now. Hang on, a minute. hang on a minute. Match bet now. I mean, she finished up the track the other day in the lock-inch. This well, they're never the... going to meet, so where's the match bet going to No, but you know what I mean. I, who do you think is likelier to win a Group 1 this season? That, that's the bet. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take Mother Earth over High Definition. So I've got High Definition to win a Group 1 before Mother Earth does this season, yes? Yes. I'm very happy to take that. I mean, I'm just, I just don't think it's... What else could be there that's not there? Well, Adair, one of the big Appleby horses, I suppose. Adair, we know Hurricane Lane's waiting for, for Ascot. Adair's the obvious miss, isn't he? If Adair was in there against Piledriver, then you'd be talking about a, a terrific race. Yeah, you just want, you just want something that will give us a, a bit of sparkle. And uh, I'm not dissing any of the horses, any of the six horses that are running in this year's race. I think for William Muir, Piledriver is an inspiring story. Ten grand fall bendered. Now, Group One winner going back for something more. Um, and Minobo, but, but, I yeah, think he, but I think he's better than that. I think he's better than the kind of the, than the, the rather kind of patronizing way that we tend to talk about him as this. You know, I know it's a great story, but he, he's always this sort of you know this blue collar horse who didn't you know, I didn't have much pedigree and he didn't cost much or whatever. And um, I don't know. I just I, I I think he's a better horse than that. If he was, you know, if 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 he was running in royal blue or dark blue or whatever. I think people would, would think of him as a genuine Group 1 horse rather than or the, the little horse trained by William Muir, you know? No, but I don't think of him that way. What, what I'm asking the race to have is more than one horse that can be uh, a capable at that level. And Minobo has to prove he is. High definition has to prove he is. And Hookham is a five-year-old scratching the surface. We'll agree to disagree. Okay, Jane. Um, yesterday at the Curra, Irish Racing took its first tentative step towards sectional timing on tracks with a trial um, through the Racecourse Media Group timing partner course track. I, I suspect most people's reaction to this would be either not before time or if they're not living in Ireland or, or the UK, thinking, what? You didn't have sectional timing before? Yeah, that's a little bit of a reaction. Um, the trial, I hope the trial went well because it's, it's going swimmingly in almost every other racing jurisdiction. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on sectional time. So it's, it's an important factor for a lot of punters and a lot of uh, researchers. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a move where we're eventually catching up with the reality of racing, that it's more reliant on, on these little factors and technology. And I would be very surprised if the trial didn't go well, because as I say, you've had it for quite a long time in a number of racing jurisdictions outside of Ireland. And when we consider ourselves world leaders, you would ask, why haven't we had it before now? 
Well, it's Thursday, so it's time to check in with our friends at Racing Welfare. And this week, you might not know, is National Volunteers Week. It runs from the 1st to the 7th of June, and the campaign is led by the NCVO, the National Council for Voluntary Organisations. And Racing Welfare uses the week as an opportunity to highlight the great work that all of you who volunteer for Racing Welfare do for this great organisation. Jen Gates, the volunteer coordinator for Racing Welfare, is with me now. This is quite a a special and meaningful week for you, Jen, isn't it? Just, Just tell me exactly why. It's incredibly important. Volunteers make up a big part uh, of helping us to do what we do. Uh, They support us in a number of ways, so whether it's at our coffee mornings, with our check-in and chat service, or to run our fundraising events. Um, Many of our fundraising events wouldn't be able to go ahead without the support of volunteers. We've currently got over 130 volunteers registered, uh, and that's going up all the time, which is great. Uh, There's a little split there between those that support us with um, what I'll call our welfare work uh, with our check in and chat service and at coffee mornings and then the rest of those are volunteers who help us on uh, a more ad lib basis that will come along to occasional um, fundraising events as and when they've got the time. There's, um, there's quite a lot of people that do make friendships through, especially coming to our events and things. That's what Cromwadry have been there on the day. Um, it's also as helpful as well because a couple of our beneficiaries do volunteer with us occasionally. Um, so it's nice um, to, to get them involved in our work as well. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah, there, there's a really great sense of community with them because they've all got that shared love of supporting our work. Um, during the pandemic we were at the beginning we were obviously faced with a large number of people who were potentially going to feel very lonely isolated um, be without food and medication and it was it was going to be impossible for our team to keep on top of that Um, so we brought in uh, some volunteers uh, some lovely people some who are from the industry some who just have a love of the industry uh, to help us to make those calls and we found that they're still needed today so we've been able to carry that service on now uh, now obviously there's an ulterior motive here you're always going to need more people to help you out so if people want to get involved and volunteer to work with racing welfare perhaps just manning phone lines or getting involved in your coffee mornings or or getting out into the communities to help people who are are struggling in any way whether it's financially or their mental health how can they get involved Yes, so um, next Tuesday I'm running a drop-in session between 12.30 and 1.30 on Zoom. Details of that can be found on our website. Uh, So if you've got any questions, uh, just want to inquire, you can come along to that. Alternatively, if you visit our website, we've got an up-to-date list of all of our fundraising events, role description for our check-in and chat service volunteers and there's a form there where you can express interest and I'll get back to you and we can start the process off. All right, thanks to Jen. Thanks to all my guests today. Jane is still with me. Um, before Jane gives me a tip, uh, Jay, you're you're coming to Epsom this weekend. You're you're gracing the downs with your presence. Yes, I'm packing the bag and I'm looking to see what am I packing. Uh, is it raincoats and waders, or will it be sun hats and summer dresses? So, yes, looking forward to seeing Epsom for the first time, walking the track, getting to uh, basically experience what I've heard about all my life and to be there standing beside Nick Look and co for Racing TV is a little bit of a dream come true. Well, you said it. Uh, Right, what about a tip then for the weekend or today? 
Yes, and going to Leopardstown, the first race, Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds have just been red hot this year. He had another TDN Rising Star with Age of Kings last night. And Justify had his first European winner at Navan last week. He could have been second today, unless Justify out of Clemmy, that group one winning juvenile herself. Um, she's a sister to Churchill, wonderful family. Ryan Moore aboard, unless to win the 505 at Leopardstown. All right, unless for Jane Mangan. 505 at Leopardstown. That was Thursday, June the 2nd. We'll be back here at Epsom Downs tomorrow when it'll be Kazoo Oaks Day. But from all of us here, bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.